live in a different world than we did just 30 seconds ago. It's a different world, it's a different day, but we are back on the Fantasy Draft Room Podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Draft Room. As always, I am Chase, aka Trophy Chase. You can find me at Trophy Chase, TFDR on Twitter. And Cody, where can they find you at? As always, y'all can find me over on Twitter at Cody Smith TFDR. Check out the joint account at underscore TFDR. We'll be releasing all of our pods on there. Extra videos Monday, Thursday night, recap games. Also, go over to YouTube. You can check us out there at the Fantasy Draft Room. Should be, This podcast should be dropping everywhere, so wherever you get your podcasts, go and give it a listen, man. Love it. Thank you so much for doing that. We got a very fun episode today. We have hit three weeks. We're on to week four. And right now, most of us have identified whether or not we are contenders. Maybe we got a great team. We're 3-0. and And maybe we're 0-3. Maybe we have realized this isn't our year. Injuries have struck our team. Or it, the team is just underperforming. So what we're going to dive into here is, is some roster construction, some ideas for us to, to rebuild and retool. Also, some win now moves, and and how we can how we can use some data that has changed the fantasy world, and also what we've noticed on the NFL side. Any, anything you want to add to that? No, I think it's just you know moving forward. We're reviewing how exactly we're trying to construct our teams a little bit here compared to the you know conventional method that we've been doing for the last five six years. However, we've been playing dynasty really. Moving in from, you know, robust RB is typically the way we've been wanting to go, but we've got some interesting data so far that's showing that might not be the way anymore. Yeah, man. When I first started Dynasty, that's all it was. It was hammer wide receiver or hammer running back and quarterback early. You want to get, you know, the, the the best three running backs you can. If you don't have them, you're not going to compete. There's no shot for you to be a contender. And it's it's been fun to look at some of the things you know when it comes to this data that we're going to dive into so um let's kick things off here with with really what it comes down to is you know running back doesn't matter man (laughs) it hasn't mattered so far (laughs) at least uh we've seen these wide receivers just putting up insane numbers they're producing at a higher clip and if you were one of the people who you know in your Imagine a redraft league where you started off three running backs and you're sitting there with some sort of version of, you know, CMC, Najee, uh, Derrick Henry, all of these guys who are just not performing like they should for what you're assuming in a workhorse workhorse back. They, they aren't producing for your team in the way that's actually beneficial and giving you wins. But the guys that are Stefan Diggs, um, Cooper Cup, those type of players are the ones that are actually contributing to your wins. So it's an interesting movement here with what we've seen and what's represented with the kind of warp data that we've been introduced to here as of late. Yeah, man, I, I want to want to say, you know, air quotes for, for some of that, because it's just like the, the way that the, the way that these wide receivers have, have kind of stepped into, to being the difference makers. I mean, you have Stefan Diggs, you have Cooper Cup, but you also have some of these young guys, you know, Amon Ra, Waddle, you know, we have AJ Brown, you know, thriving again. And and really what it comes down to is is how do we want to build our team around difference making players that are going to help us win weeks? And if if these wide receivers are the ones that are the biggest difference makers, you know, we need to follow what not only the data is showing us for fantasy football, but like what the actual NFL is showing us. Like the NFL is telling us flat out that running backs don't matter. What we knew five years ago with guys, you know, even like CMC, you know, when he, you know, four years ago for him, but it's like when we first saw these guys on the field, it was, oh, I'm going to get 20 plus carries and I'm going to get eight to nine targets out of the backfield. Like I'm going to get close to 30 touches. And that's what you were expecting. When David Johnson, was out there. You wanted 30 touches for that man. And that's what a workhorse is. That's just not what the NFL does anymore. You know, you have what you would consider a workhorse and like Derrick Henry, you know, Dalvin Cook, you know, some of these 
quote unquote workhorses. But for the most part, like our top dynasty running back assets are in a committee of a sort. And it might be a 1A, 1B situation where they are still getting, you know, good usage. But, you know, DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Javante, like, do you really want to spend high draft capital on some of those guys? It's it's a thing so far. If you did, you're not you're not enjoying it. I mean, the workhorse of all workhorses that we've seen over the past year, Derrick Henry, like you were saying, we're just not seeing those touches anymore. Last game, he did finally have a little bit of a bounce back. We saw it. He had total of 20 rushes, five receptions. So you're getting up close to that, like, you know, stereotypical workhorse trying to get 25 versus 30 touches. But the first two games, 21 touches, 13 touches. It's not enough with the rate that these running backs are running at to put up the workhorse production that you're paying up for. Now, I know you're not paying up for Derrick Henry specifically, but these guys like the Javante, like the Brees Hall, if they don't ever move into that full workhorse role, you're just not getting the value back on what you're putting in to go acquire these guys. I mean, hopefully you're getting them you know, early. You can get them in the rookie drafts if you have the pick. But if you're going out there and spending the, spending the additional capital on your team to go and trade for these guys, the value that you're getting out of it is just not there currently. So let's shift gears and dive into some of this warp data, this difference maker data, and explain what we found. And then we'll get into how we're going to use this. So Cody, what have you seen in the numbers and the data through the first three weeks of this year? It's really counterintuitive to a lot of what we went in the season thinking, you know, but like we've been saying, most of this, you know, most of us are going into the season with our robust RB strategy, maybe our hero RB strategy for some of us. And really that was probably the way to go. And even your hero RB hasn't really been much of a hero this year. And it's supported by the data for the most part. So explaining warp just in really simple terms, it's a number to show the amount of wins over a replacement player. So a replacement player typically being somewhere in that RB two to three range or the wide receiver being in the wide receiver you know, three range, something like that, where you've got a true difference maker. He's providing you wins for your team if he's on there. You've got a much higher percentage of winning your fantasy week if this type of player is on your team. So we don't like to use this in terms of targeting specific players because what we've seen over the first three weeks is – you know, you could basically just look at the leaderboards and say, see, okay, this player scored this many points. He's helping my team this much. But what we want to use it for is the positional difference between the running backs and between the wide receivers. How many running backs are affecting your team in a positive way versus how many wide receivers are affecting your team in a positive way? So we're going to break this down. And it basically a zero on warp scale is going to be contributing to your team and the over a one in warp is going to be a difference maker for your team. So looking at the difference makers in the running back and the wide receiver positions over the first three weeks, this is where and why we're making the shift. We have eight running backs who are making difference making weeks in terms of fantasy points for your team. Eight. And some of those names are not names that you were even considering picking up. We've got names like Jamal Williams. We've got names like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Cordero Patterson. These are supposed to be the people who are the hero RBs for your team, the ones that are truly making a difference to your roster. Those weren't the guys that you were taking with that. It, now let's, let's really dive into the, like the, that running back aspect because I think it's really important to note that like CEH, J-Rob, like, yeah, you have Saquon, you have Nick Chubb, you know, DeAndre Swift right now is up there. You know, I think it's going to change when, you know, with his injuries. But you still have Cordero Patterson, Jamal Williams. And, and even below that, like, you, you, you know, Khalil Herbert is up here. You know, Antonio Gibson is up here for now. Kareem Hunt. Like, all of these guys are quality players in the NFL, but they weren't what you were expecting to be difference makers for your team. And on the flip side, you have these guys that you drafted really high, like Dalvin Cook who has kind of been a waste for your for where you drafted him. He's he's been almost a negative, almost a negative to your team. 
So he's been hurting you more than helping you because you're starting him. You have to start him, but he's not giving you any return. Yeah, and interestingly, I, so I just pulled up Adiko's ADP. The only one, the only running back, if you would have done a startup this offseason, the only running back who is actually contributing over a one and warp to your team is DeAndre Swift. Jonathan Ooh. Taylor, Najee Harris, CMC, Javante, and Austin Eckler are all not difference makers for your team so far in the first three weeks. And we, we could see a change, but uh, three weeks is a small sample size. But it's enough of one to start noticing trends and trying to make pivots if we're trying to be proactive. And that's why when you look at the running back position, even from what the NFL is doing from the NFL perspective, like your workhorse guys are are non-existent, really. They're the air quote workhorses. You know, you still have Dalvin Cook, you still have Derrick Henry, that they're on their way out, but they are it is a one A, one B situation. James Robinson is up here. He's he still has a one B with ETN. Nick Chubb is up here. He still has a one B with with uh, Kareem Hunt. Same same to be said about Swift. I mean, you have Swift and Jamal Williams right now in the top top eight. They are both difference makers right now. But with Swift's injury, you know who knows if that's going to sustain. And Jamal Williams has always been a a quality NFL player. The point being here is the NFL isn't valuing these guys the same, and the production that you're thinking you're getting from these high end running backs, these these big names, these these guys you drafted super high. If you're drafting these guys so high, why aren't they consistently making a difference for your team? And when we get into the wide receivers position, you'll you'll kind of see the point that we're getting at. There's there's always going to be guys that jump up and down, and and there's still time to bounce back. You know, JT is an example. This time last year, he was running back 39 through three weeks. So we're not sitting here saying to overreact like, oh my goodness, sell, 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 sell. But from a roster construction standpoint, these running backs most likely will will fluctuate up and down versus what you're going to see at wide receiver. Yeah, and just hammering home the point that you just said, it's changing our fantasy teams and changing our fantasy strategy to model that of what the NFL has changed their teams and their strategy to do. I mean, like we saw this year, like Brees Hall isn't a first-round draft pick, but we have like six wide receivers, I think it was, that were first-round draft picks. I mean, we're, we are gone from the days of Saquon's being taken at the 102. We love Bijan. Absolutely love Bijan. There's no way he's getting taken at the 102. <laughs> it's just not happening. But we can see a wide receiver taken in the top seven. The yes. NFL is valuing these pieces, and we need to adjust. We're seeing the data come out right now that's saying this is the trend, and we need to be proactive in following it. It's not fully jumping over. You don't sell every single running back that you have. You still need to build your teams Absolutely. with a little bit of construction. Yeah, obviously, some common sense applies. But where you want to really be holding value is probably starting to shift over to the wide receiver position. And if we're proactive in making that move, you can gain a lot of value over some of your teammates who, or some of your league mates who maybe don't see this trend coming yet. So with that, let's compare what we had with that running back room. Remember we had eight running backs who are difference makers for your team. And we'll throw in there as well. We have 24 current running backs who are providing over a zero warp value. They're providing at least a positive to your team. Comparatively, in the wide receiving room, so eight versus eight and 24 versus 16, double the amount of wide receivers who are making a difference, a large difference of over one warp to your team. 16 wide receivers and 36 who are contributing positively to your team. I mean, it's, it's an entire it's an entire rounds worth of guys who are actually making differences to your team compared to the running backs. If you have value invested in these guys, it's it's winning you weeks right now. Like the weeks that you have Stefan Diggs on your team, you were it's hard to lose those weeks when you have Stefan Diggs on your team right now compared to even guys who are producing high for your team like Saquon. Saquon has been the best producer at the running back position so far in terms of war. 
but I can still lose weeks with Saquon on my roster. It's hard to lose weeks with Diggs and guys like Cooper Cup and Amon Ra on my roster right now. Yeah, when you look at the, I think the big thing, the big takeaway for me was looking at the the 16 difference makers were guys like, and I'm just going to go through most of them, you know, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddle, you know, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, you know, Amari Cooper has stepped up, but he's always been a good player. Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. You see, and now we see some guys like Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Mike Thomas is back up here. There are some surprises still because it is still early. And so, you know, we have Marquise Brown, we have Curtis Samuel, Christian Kirk has been a surprise, but there's chances that these guys stick up here. The point is, is it's chalk. Like it is, it, you drafted these wide receivers to be difference makers for your team because you drafted them in, in round two and round three, and they are. And I think that's the big difference for me is like the running back position in general. If you look at fantasy points per game, the running back position, you will have a 60% turnover year to year, whether it's due to injuries, whether they may just fall down to a, a running back two, but that falls out of a difference maker category. There's just 60% turnover. When you get to the wide receiver position, it's not the same. Like if those guys slip, they don't slip out of a difference making tier. And that's the, the whole thing. Stefan Diggs can slip from number one, but he's going to still be a difference maker in the top 16. And that is what you need to win your leagues. You need difference makers on your team. And so you have a lot more shots to have difference makers at wide receiver. And as we've listed some of the names at running back, you could find those guys later. And it's important to note also, along with just the production that we have, it's the value insulation that you have as well, right? Like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, they're they're in the difference-making tier. However, we know we've seen some weeks where they haven't been performing like the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two overall. I go try to trade for those guys. You know what their price is? It's exactly what it was before the season. You're not getting a fucking discount because they've nope. had a couple of bad weeks here. But look at Najee. Went the running back two, going KTC is all the way down to running back nine after three bad weeks. I know there's been a little bit of injury baked in with that one, but we've seen that there's pretty much, I mean, he's not affected by the injury. He's just affected by being on you know a shitty team. <laughs> But he's dropped all the way to running back nine, and his value is going to be reflective of that. It's not you could probably you can get Najee for two first right now, where you're paying easily two first plus to get Najee preseason. You're I mean, not doing I have the a, same thing with I have an offer in my inbox right now for Najee in my inbox right now, and I don't want to take it because I, I have it. It's a difference making wide receiver, even though it's Amari Cooper. So it's Najee for Amari Cooper in an early second. And like mentally, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a smash. Give me Najee. Give me Najee. But I'm like, I can keep Amari, who's a, you know, he's a top 16 guy right now. He's, he's going to be a difference maker for my team. And I can use that second. I can go get Cordero Patterson. I can go get CEH, difference maker at the running back position, who's going to help me win weeks. But like, that's where my mindset is right now. It's like, man, am I, am I too low on Najee? Like, is that, is that what's happened? Or, or is this kind of just a reflection of like, hey, I don't see this situation getting any better anytime soon. So, and again, it, it, that might just be me. That might just be a smash deal where I should go accept that. But it makes me think now where where before, like you said, two firsts, if, if you told me I was buying Najee for anything less than two firsts, I would have smashed that deal so hard so fast. Exactly. And the fact that you're considering it now just shows yeah. that the value insulation isn't there. The only one, the only running back who has value insulation is jt right now and by the time this year ends i think that insulation is going to be gone as well because he's not he's probably not going to produce like he did last year we've seen that you know repeat performances at rb1 don't happen so he's probably not going to be an rb1 again he's a year older he's going to have another 300 plus touches on his body probably and the dynasty community is going to start being like hey he's getting older let's start you know he's he's on the downtrend now he's not what he he's not worth what he was so there, but comparatively, like like I've been saying, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, the horribleness of a season they would have to put on the field this year to drop their value anything less than two seconds, and it, it's, I mean, 
it would have to be so putrid. It would have to be, it would almost have to just be injury because the dynasty community would give these guys excuses for why they're not performing. Exactly. Exactly. And, And we see it right now. Like we listed off the top 16. There's obviously guys that are still not in this difference making tier that, that you want and that you, you probably, you probably spent high draft capital on, especially at the wide receiver position. And, and maybe they're by low targets and, and maybe they're, they're just ready to bounce back at some point here. You know, we have guys like, you know, Deontay, CD lamb, you know, we have Debo Samuel all the way down here at 31. He's still, you know, positive in the, in the warp data, but, He's not really making that much of a difference to your team, but he should bounce back. They all should end up bouncing back. You're going to see them climb as the year goes on because this is just reflective of the first three weeks of the year. So maybe these are guys you need to be going out and looking to acquire. And I bring that up because if you are looking at next year and you are looking to make you know a retool, uh, maybe you're looking to just roster construct differently, which is what we're we're going to be pushing people to do is you need to start looking at building around these wide receivers. If you can go buy low on a CD lamb because Dak Prescott's out and it hasn't looked good. You know, we had all these expectations for CD coming into the season. If you could still get him at a, at a cheaper price, you're, I'm not sitting here saying you're going to get him for seconds, but if you, if you have to pay, like, you know, if you can get him for a first and a second, maybe a first and a player, go get CD lamb. Yep. The dude's young. He's still tied to Dak. Yes, Dak is hurt. I get it. I get it. You don't need the points this year. Look at a retool. Start going out and getting guys like, you know, like CD. If you had like Alvin Kamara, if you had Dalvin Cook, you know, piece that together and go send him off. Maybe that guy's a competitor and he's like, hey, I need, I need points. Try to help these people out have to look at things from their perspective but try to build your wide receiver room up around difference making wide receivers and, and you can kind of identify who would be a difference maker who's going to be getting 10 plus targets it's all about the opportunity with the situation yeah it's taking you know you take your dalvin cook alvin kamara's right now and you're probably in a pretty bad spot if you have had those guys in your roster. So take those guys, flip them into some young wide receiver talent, flip them into your Garrett Wilson's, your Drake London's take that value. And because just like you said, you have to understand it from their point of view. Right. But the good thing is we're on the, we're on the front of this wide receiver heavy strategy, right? Where most people are still going to look at those guys and think, okay, well, they've just had a couple of bad weeks. It's a rough start to the season. They'll figure it out. These running backs are still what I need to build my team around. That's probably going to be their mindset yet. And if you can capitalize on some of your league mates still thinking like that, where we can, you know, we're spotting this trend where we we see the switch and we see the transition to these wide receivers being the pieces that we want. Get out of pieces that are already aging, not producing for your team, and especially if you're trying to just retool for next year, get out, send them to the teams that are competing. Send them to the teams that think they're buying low on a player and selling high on one of these wide receivers. They're selling high on an Omari Cooper, selling high on a Hollywood Brown with DeAndre Hopkins coming back. Get rid of these guys that just aren't going to make the difference for your team. Get into players that are going to actually win you fantasy weeks because that's all that we really care about. Yeah, exactly. And when, when we're looking at, you know, two to three year windows, yeah, Tyreek has been smashing this year. Yeah, Cooper Cup and Stefan Diggs have been absolutely crushing. You know, they are getting up there in age, but they are still going to be good for your fantasy team for two to three years. So if you have someone in your league that, you know, maybe they're in that situation where they're 0 and 3 or 1 and 2. Maybe they've had a DAC or a Trey Lance injury and they're they're looking at their team saying, hey, I need a sell. If you can go out and pay, you're not getting them for free, but if you can go out there and pay a first plus, you know, a first and a player, maybe even have to give up two firsts value for these guys, do it. Because they're going to make a difference for you this year. They're going to help you win this year. And they're going to help you win next year and the year after that. Like, they're not going away. And that's like the big driving home point. We have a shelf life for running back. We have high turnover at the running back position. Why not capitalize on the guys that are 
are doing it and doing it big. It's guaranteed, it's guaranteed production, right? Where like you don't see that there's, there's not going to be really a week where Cooper cup, Stefan Diggs just get goosed. The, the amount of, they would have to be facing the lockdown corner, double coverage, bracket coverage, everything from the defense to be eliminating these guys from impacting your fantasy team compared to the running back who, you know, if he's not getting the work, if he's not getting the 20 touches, they can just stack a box and efficiency on the 15 touches that he's probably getting. Cause he's not a true workhorse. Isn't going to be enough to get him there. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I want to, I want to get into the tight end room real quick here, just because we do have the data on them. Uh, we, we're obviously focusing on, on the wide receivers, but there is a point that we also want to look at these tight ends and, and who's actually a difference maker. We got four. <laughs> we got four difference makers. I, I've always been one that like, I, I hate to stream tight ends. I mean, I just, I'm never a fan of it. And I think coming into this year, we kind of identified, you know, who the top few guys were and Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, like those guys, are difference makers. Kyle Pitts will eventually get himself back in there. You know, obviously dynasty tight end one, tight end two, however you, however you want to look at it. But you have those difference makers, but you do have some guys that step up like Tyler Conklin, Zach Ertz. We haven't seen Kittle on the field truly much at all. We saw him a little bit last week. Darren Waller's under underperformed, uh, but for the most part, it's you can if you don't have Pitts, Kelsey, and Andrews. Who cares? Like H- Hawkinson's not it. Goddard no. is athletic, but he's what the, the the three on the team, two A, two B, however you want to look at it. And out of that group of just middling tight ends, Goddard's almost the one I want out of all of them. It's gross to even think about, right? So or or. Our high ward producing tight ends right now of Andrews, Kelsey, Conklin, and Ertz. Only two of those guys you're even drafting like they're going to be difference makers for your team. Tyler Conklin, you can even pick up on dynasty waivers in some places, depending on depending on how deep your league is. Like that, probably an outlier. He's he's not if he keeps up this type of production, that's wild the value that some people just got on some Tyler Conklin shares. Zach Ertz, you know. A little bit probably devalued due to his age. Uh, I, I would honestly be going out and buying some Zach Ertz because I think this production can sustain. Uh, you know, yes. we're we're trying to find production on this team through guys like Greg Dortch. Hollywood's not commanding enough of a, a target percentage to really impact. And even if DeAndre, I know DeAndre Hopkins is coming back here soon, but Zach Ertz is still going to be producing this year. I still think he stays in this range or at least in the high. You know, less than one warp, but still still a difference maker for your team. Guys like Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, Fryermuth, Hawkinson, why do you want to why do you want to invest in these guys? Take these guys and either sell them off and just throw in some, you know, drop yourself down into the Evan Ingram, Irv Smith range or use them to go up into the top tier because having these guys on your, these middling guys in your roster just doesn't do anything for you. It's just wasted value in terms of spending a first to have very limited, very unpredictable production on your team. I don't think that it's worth really even rostering these guys. If you're not in either the top three or the bottom, bottom nine, 10 plus, that's where I want to be in the tight end room. So, now that we kind of know, because yeah, I'm with you 100%. I, I, if you don't got one of the top two or three, like I, I want to take some extra darts at them and see kind of ho- hopefully in the future they can develop into one. You know, maybe a Pat Fryermuth. But, but in the end, I just don't care. Like if I don't have them, I just don't care about tight end. So it, I'm looking for the guy that's going to get targets, get, get, get the opportunity to get on the field and earn those targets. My problem with those guys is you're still paying first for them. You're paying True. first plus. True. Like 
they're they're not producing at a value that's consistent with the return you're getting. Go, you know, go punt tight end and use that first somewhere else or use that first value to go get yourself up into the next tier. But those guys don't give you the value that you should be getting from a first round draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So like wh- where we're at right now, we kind of jumped through through some of the data kind of where where these players are how many difference makers there are at each position. What are you doing like path forward, rebuilding, contending? Let's just start with rebuilders or retooling. How are you pivoting? What are you looking to do if you are going to be retooling or rebuilding right now? So it's looking at my team from an overall perspective, right? I need to see where the value on my team is. I'm looking, okay, am I good at quarterback? That's my first thing. I want to be good at quarterback. I'm looking if I'm oversaturated at running back value. If I'm holding four, five, six plus first worth of value in the running back position, I'm overvalued at that position and I want to move off of it. I want to use that value in my team, use those assets, and move it either into either picks or players that I can use to either improve where I'm deficient at, either in my quarterback room or my wide receiver room. Because if I'm holding that much value there, most teams aren't so loaded that you don't have a place. You you can't be overly saturated at every position most of the time. For most of our teams, unless you've got those, you know, don't show me your God team that just runs the league where you're playing with a bunch of home buddies <laughs> for the last five years and you've assembled, you know, JT, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Josh Allen on the same team. Don't Don't come at me with that team that's – not normal for the most of us. We need some actual <laughs> fantasy advice that the other 99.9% of us can take some action on, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you look at where you're you look at where you're oversaturated. And if you are oversaturated at the running back position with the trend we're seeing, we take that value in whatever players it is, you either liquidate it into picks, or you take that and you take depth pieces, especially in lineup leagues, where you take pieces that are just never going to hit your lineup unless you have four or five injuries, and then you're probably not in contention anyway. So retooling, let's take those assets and move them to where we actually can find our difference-making guys. Use it in the wide receiving room. Target guys that we think can get up into that range or go use it and package it with picks or other players to go get into the range of the guys that are already producing for us. Yeah. I, I, I love liquidating, you know, I, I, I do love a, accumulation of picks. Um, if I'm able to, to look at constructing around wide receiver, I, I don't want to, I, I don't mess around with quarterback. Like if I, if I don't have my quarterbacks by the end of round three, maybe beginning around four of a startup, I, I did it wrong. Like I want to make sure I have a locked and loaded two guys that I am confident in. So if I can upgrade to a difference maker at quarterback, we didn't even really dive into the quarterback position, not really needed um, in a way. But if I'm able to to kind of dive into that, you know, that upper echelon of of you know, Hertz, Mahomes, Lamar, like the top six, Kyler. I want to make sure I have one of those guys. So if I, like you said, if I'm able to upgrade to one of those guys, that is like where I'm looking first. If I don't have the quarterback room set, because I don't want to screw around with quarterback. But if I do, if I have my quarterback room set, I'm feeling real good about it. I will take those assets and I will liquidate. You know, if I'm able to take, you know, uh, Dalvin cook and I can get a 23 first and give me Khalil Herbert. If I can get some of these guys that will have a shot at producing next year, whether that's them potentially moving into a starting role, them switching, you know, being a free agent and having those types of things. I look at those situations and see where's a guy that I can get, like it's a first and second value essentially, but I can get a running back that I'm going to help that that could, could break out next year, could end up being a difference maker next year. And I'm also getting that first that I can use to go buy something else. And I'm doing that with all of my my either aging players or my non difference makers, at least at the wide receiver position. Like you, you have an example that we were we were looking at earlier where you have like Justin Jefferson um, as like a key piece in the wide receiver room. 
I'm not selling Justin Jefferson unless I absolutely have to. You know, if I can get two difference makers at wide receiver, or two, you know, then then I'll consider it. But for the most part, like I don't really want to move off of that piece unless I absolutely have to. Yeah, you better be overpaying by like a first for me to move Justin Jefferson right now. <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to take a loss and tear down to three assets who aren't even like I'm not trying to tear down to three different wide receiver 24s because what does that do for me? I'm probably not even able to start all of those guys at some point because I'm going to have other assets on my team that are going to be better than them. Whereas I can have Justin Jefferson, who I know is going to be a difference maker most weeks. I know he had a little bit of a down week this week. Hopefully he goes back to a dome. Um, but I can, I have security in owning guys that I know who are going to be there for me pretty much week in and week out. Not trying to move off of those guys. We're trying to move off of the ones that, like we've been saying earlier, and like you just brought up. So like take your Dalvin Cook and – if we could go back and retroactively look at it, take your Dalvin Cook and go move it into uh, first and Christian Kirk. Like, imagine how much of a win that would have been this offseason. A deal I think you could have easily gotten done. Easily. And the amount of value you would have gained on that trade compared to what we're dealing with three weeks into the season right now. I mean, you're, you're looking to come out of that almost a full first in value ahead. It was it was a thing I was trying to do in startups where I was trying to target guys, you know, that I thought could break into that. I, I do actually own a good amount of Christian Kirk because I saw the yes, path forward do. there for him. And, you know, I'm I'm really happy with those shares, but some other guys that we probably could have gone and targeted, you know, target those Amon Ra guys. You know, we should have been we should have been higher on on Amon Ra. Targets were the targets were earned. Oh, the targets weren't just given like some of us were questioning with him at the end of last year. But know that there's also it's not, you know, it's not going to be 100 percent hit rate. We've seen I, I also had a lot of Alan Lazard because I thought that he could step into that role. And if I was overpaying to go get Alan Lazard, I think I can still maybe pull a second for him. But maybe. it's yeah, maybe hopefully. I mean, I still have some hope that Alan Lazard can go step into that role. But I think. You're, you're not going to win 100% of these shots, right? But if you can liquidate into a first-round pick or something like – or liquidate into a first-round pick or a player that's probably equivalent and then pick up another piece like that to give yourself two chances at getting back in – getting one of those wide receivers who you think can make that jump into the difference-making tier. I think that's going to be my future play, and especially with, like, that team we were looking at with, you know, Cook, Kamara, Jones, and Elliott taking some of the taking either Cook or Kamara and Jones and taking them into and maybe maybe I get a retool asset for the future. Maybe I get, you know, first round, first round Debbie pick in that league since it's a Debbie league. Maybe I get a first round Debbie pick and then I get another player who maybe not maybe isn't producing at the high level right now, but I can see moving into there. Maybe I see a bounce back for the Broncos coming back to coming back to life. And I can go get myself a Jerry Judy who's been underperforming. Getting some of those assets that we think can really make the jump into the difference making tier. So a trade that I want to ask you about that just kind of popped in, you know, forget the Debbie depleted because in your scenario, but do you think you could trade today Alvin Kamara for Christian Kirk in a first? Like if it was a a playoff first, a mid to late first. Man, I think you have to wait for a I think you have to wait for a production week. I don't think a deal gets done right now. Just because Kamara hasn't really done much the rib injury those types of things and then on the flip side christian kirk's still smashing right now kind of have He's to wait for the wait for the flip-flop to happen right wait for a down week for kirk and yeah, I mean, it's just you know i think about a deal like that because i do think that christian kirk has staying power um you know we've talked about it a lot this offseason and, and into the start of this year you know he his opportunity isn't going anywhere. And I think that's, that's the big thing is how do you identify the next Christian Kirk? We had a, a good conversation today with Scott Connor and he was talking about how do you identify these guys that had the pedigree? Cause he was a second round pick. You know, he's a five-star kid out of high school. Like he, he, he was, he was a dude and it just never really clicked in, in Arizona, whether they didn't use him right, whatever the case may be, never, never really clicked until that last year. And now we went into a situation where he's going to get 150 targets. 
you know, he he's the one. They paid him. Everything that you you would imagine, he's tied to a good quarterback. I don't care what you say about just about uh Trevor Lawrence, that dude is a damn good quarterback. So you find guys like that that are in in situations like how do you identify who could jump into this warp tier? And like that's who you want to trade for. Like who who are some names that kind of come to mind that could be next? I mean, we I kind of put you on the spot there. So I like Amonra or Amonra. He was a guy I was thinking either later this year or next year. Uh, that happened a lot quicker than I anticipated. So, <laughs> but that dude's the real deal. Like <laughs> he's he's showing he can do it no matter who else is with him. Any other th- any other guys that come to mind of, of who could step into that kind of role, like that Christian Kirk of of next year, or even maybe even later, a breakout candidate later this year. Yeah, I actually I really like the one that was brought up today, and it was the one I think we guessed last. Um, yeah. And, you know, in the type of we think we were using target share and a couple other factors to the draft class to determine which of these guys that we thought we could step into it. And it was Jacoby Myers. If we, we've from all reports being told out of New England that there's almost a zero percent possibility that he's going to get brought back on a contract extension for this team. I don't know why, because their wide receiver room is god awful and he's the best one on the team already they, they paid that god awful wide receiver oh, yeah, Aguilar 11 million dollars and paying johnny smith and hunter henry hunter henry not another 20 million to get goosed every week so jacoby myers though I mean, he's he's had the target share we just haven't seen this offense really be efficient enough with him being the kind of not i wouldn't say focal point but being being the one for this team He's been the one. He just hasn't had enough efficiency. He hasn't had the touchdowns to turn it into a significant fantasy season. But he's yeah, kind I mean, of a guy like Kirk where you see him go to a different different role, a different team. Like, say, for instance, you just go and throw Jacoby Myers in on the Packers right now. Yeah. I mean, right. he he turns into that like almost guaranteed top 24 guy every week. So I think it's it's trying to follow those trends. And I really like what we were doing earlier today with target share being a large contributor to that. Because you know, it's like we saw with Aminarod, the target share was there to say he should have he should sustain it. I don't care what the options were whenever he was doing it. He was gaining that target share, earning that target share. And Jacoby Myers has been one of those guys that's earned that target share. And I think he can if he gets put into the right spot. It's a guy that we could see move into that territory. So maybe it doesn't work. Maybe he doesn't go to the perfect team. But yep. what what are you sending on him right now? You're sending a back end second, maybe, to go pick up a Jacoby Myers share. If that pick doesn't hit, what what does it matter to you? What does it matter to your team? Some cost, I'll take it, and he'll he'll still he'll still produce in some facet. But yeah, he's put up put up some good numbers, you know, good numbers this year for that for that offense. So yeah, like he right. might be valuable to you this year, and, and then you're hoping for the, the the difference maker ability in the future. Yeah, and on the off chance he does go to the right team, he gets the Christian Kirk situation. He gets the bag from somebody. You know, we thought the Christian Kirk deal was an overpay, but maybe not so much anymore. Hopefully not. Shout <laughs> out my boy. But you know, maybe maybe another team offers Jacoby Myers the bag. And he turns that into being the one for the team. That that's the type of play that you can turn into so much value compared to the cost that you're putting out right now. And it's the perfect type of move where if you're on one of those non non contending teams where you're pivoting, looking for the future, you're taking maybe don't even take it as a pick in that point. Maybe just take it as some sort of older asset, maybe a producing older producing asset take like a Cordero Patterson type uh, and then go get Jacoby Myers in a plus. So I think that's a deal you can do moving off of an older asset to get, you're still getting production. Now you're gaining an extra asset. Probably. I I don't know if you feel the same way about that one. And then you're getting a guy that could get leveraged into a much better position next year and a talent and a talented guy. Yeah. Most people right now are probably willing to just throw away Jacoby Myers, especially if they're a contender they're not starting him most likely 
So if you're able to go get get Jacoby Myers as a throw in in a deal, if you're able to down tier and get him, like he's he's not the guy you trade for. He's the guy you get thrown in a deal for. Like it, like you said, if you're going to be down tiering off of somebody, get him as a throw in. If you want to down tier off of, uh, let's look at something here like Kareem Hunt, and you know you want to get off of Kareem Hunt, you want to get Jacoby Myers and a second. Like, you know, you're you're probably wanting the draft capital, but you're also going after the second. Maybe you're you're looking at like Leonard Fournette, same type of situation. You could probably get you could probably just get a uh, I guess not right now because of the production, but you can get a first and, a, and Jacoby Myers for some of these running backs like Aaron Jones. I think you could probably get a first and Jacoby Myers for. People were just willing to be like, okay, well, I'm win now. I want that production. My first is back in first, and give me Jacoby. You know, if if it's just going to cost me Jacoby Myers, who cares? Like people just don't care about him right now. Oh, it's the perfect type of guy to use use your capital on. Go go out and get your get your retool. Go buy into those running backs. Like your if you could have done it last week, go buy into your Khalil Herberts. So you can see the path there for that could step into the role minus one injury. The players that are going to be in the position to gain value. I, I'm not trying to go out really anymore. It, if I'm on some of those retool type teams, I'm not spending my capital to go out and get myself a Brandon Cooks. Like what the, Brandon Cooks holds no future upside for me, right? The, right? He's not going to ever launch himself this year into a, any position where he's going to gain value. Compared to another guy, like I know that's probably a little bit intuitive for most people because he's, you know, he's the older aging wide receiver. But another guy who was in a very similar situation who most people were fading, look at Amari Cooper right now. Yeah. It's a very similar situation that we foresaw before the season, but there's a lot of unknown with Amari Cooper compared to what we knew with Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is the same guy every year, but Amari that Cooper going to a new offense, we did not expect Jacoby Brisket to be actually playing, you know, decently well for some reason. I mean, he looks like a competent quarterback for most teams. Uh, him, Geno Smith, and Joe Flacco have been the surprises of this year. I, mean, I think they're all in the positive warp area. That's just absolutely crazy. But there was an unknown there, right? There's a there's a potential for Amari Cooper's value to increase dramatically. Where we know he's going to, we knew he was going to be the one for this offense. And it's probably something that, you know, retrospectively we, we should have looked into and probably bought ourselves some Amari Cooper shares because we could see that value increasing compared to a guy like a Brandon Cooks where it's just going to be flat. There's no there's no value in obtaining that asset compared to attaining something like an Amari Cooper. Yeah, like even if Brandon Cooks went out and ended up having like a 1,400-yard season, which I don't see happening, but if he had 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns and was a, a top eight, you know, wide receiver this year, his his cost is still going to be the same. You know, you're going to have some. You're going to see some deals where people overpay, but for the most part, his value is going to stay the exact same going into the offseason, going into the next year. It's going to be the same. Amari Cooper was a guy whose value was I I, I had a lot of Amari Cooper, and people were sending me seconds for him, trying to, just trying to get him for you know anywhere they could, and, and that that was the play. Like if you could get, it could have gotten Amari Cooper this offseason because oh you know Deshaun Watson. Uh, suspended who knows how long it was going to be at the time those types of issues you could probably have gotten him for a second plus so yeah like being able to find out and, and now he's probably worth a first he might even end up being worth more than a first i mean god imagine him and watson together and he's just putting up 100 plus yard games all the time i mean he's he's their their one and then you still have to stop nick chubb and kareem hunt like oof, that is an offense that i do I would be very scared of when when Deshaun Watson gets back. I mean, he's the tenth overall wide receiver in terms of warp already with Crazy. freaking Jacoby Brisket. Like, yeah. it may take a game or two for Watson to get back to really, you know, maybe it's not this year. But Amara Cooper's not in an age range where I see him just falling off, turning to dust like a Kenny Galladay next year. So you even go into next year, there could even be more value that you're gaining on an Amari Cooper right now. And the thing with Amari is, it's not like he's putting up, you know, two touchdown games. Like I think that's the big thing. Like Ceh right now is running back four. That will not last. That is a lot of touchdown. He had seven carries, zero yards, and and, and a touchdown. And like that's what you know, 
got him his points. And that's what helped him stay up there. He gets the, you know, he's had that and he's gotten some passing work this year. You know, he's definitely improved as a player from what we thought, but he's not running back four at the end of the year. No freaking shot. If you're out there thinking you're going to hold CEH because he's running back four and he's doing this, sell him. Amari Cooper, on the other hand, is out there getting the yards. He's getting the receptions and the yards and he's putting up, you know, those points that he needs. And he is, you know, scoring a touchdown here and there, but. It's, pred- it's mostly predicated on him actually getting those targets, getting that target share, and and putting that up. So that's sustainable. Whereas, you know, if you're depending on touchdowns for your, your production, Jamal Williams, another one. You know, yeah, he's getting touches. He's putting up some yards too, but he's had four touchdowns in three games. Is that really sustainable? So that's no, where you got to try to look at those types of things. That's why we look at target share. We look at those targets and you know, we thought Darnell Mooney coming into this year was going to be a great smash player because he was going to get the targets and opportunity, but now they're throwing the ball 17 times and it doesn't matter who you have on that offense anymore. If you're only throwing the ball 17 times. So just things to be looking at. That's, that's different ways to kind of identify those breakout candidates. And Amari Cooper's done it before. That's the other side of it too. I mean, he's, been a damn good wide receiver in the league yeah one guy that i want to touch on really quickly uh one of the guys who's in that difference making warped tier, curtis samuel yeah i have no faith that he stays there i have no faith that he even stays in positive warp this is a player who we've seen i know it's been a, i know it's been an injury riddled career for him so far but even if, I mean, we've still got Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin, who I think are just overall better receivers than him. Hell, I mean, Antonio Gibson might be a better receiver than Curtis. I won't go that far. I won't go that far. But <laughs> it's it's another team where it's almost kind of like the opposite of what you were saying, where we've got 130 attempts over three weeks out of this Washington Commanders offense compared to like the 17 attempts that we've been seeing out of the Bears offense. It's it's a situation where he's like we're trying to draw conclusions from what we've seen over these first three weeks, but we do also need to be cognizant and aware that it's three weeks. It's a small sample size. Like we said earlier, JT was like running back 37 or something on the year last year at this point of the season turns into the RB one. We're not trying to use this warp data to target specific players who are performing above expectations we're trying to use it for roster construction where we see hey we've only got these 12 running backs who are actually contributing to our team versus a full 24 of wide receiver it's roster construction over player player targeting what we want to use for really our player targeting is kind of like we were talking about earlier with the jacoby myers and the other guys like that where we're looking you got to dive deep into the stats. Maybe we should do an episode on this in the future where we just go into some of these guys that we can, we can target where, you know, look at, look at our running backs, see those guys that are behind the people who are up for, a you know, their lead running back is up for a contract or new contract next yep. year. They're going to be stepping into the running back one role. Those are the guys you target. Look at the wide receivers who could see a change of scenery. Those are the guys you want to target, even at the tight end position. Like um, I almost acquired a another uh, Gasicki share today because if I'm on a retooling team, Gasicki's up at the end of the year, and I don't see any way that they bring him back in Miami. And he's he's a talented guy. It's just a matter of target share that he can't produce for fantasy right now. He can easily put up 100 yards any game. Like Gasicki is one of those guys that you know, when he got the targets, I mean, it looked good. It's just, that's not how this, this offense works right now in Miami. And so, you know, he might have a game here or there where he, he pops, but you can probably get by Gesicki for a second right now and not look back. You're like, oh, forget it. Like, I don't care about, about that second round pick. I'm going to get a tight end that, that could end up being a difference maker in the future. If he gets, you know, the opportunities, he is a pass catching weapon. Like that dude is, whew, He's made some miraculous catches, so I love that. Is, that is a great buy low target right now for me. All right, one more I think before we probably get out of here. I want to talk about one guy who I know you're deeply invested in, and I've got a couple of shares of too. I know some other people are out there. Quarterback that we were thinking could probably put us up in the top ten QB range, who is just 
I mean, what can we say? He, he said, let's ride. And then he just parked the fucking car right, right at the start. He just fucking rode off into the sunset. He almost just drove it backwards. Ugh. Can let's ride. Turn this thing around. He's got a beautiful matchup this week with the Raiders. I think he does it this week. And I think I'm going to be trying to buy some Russell Wilson this week low and see what I can do. Because I think, you know, like, like we've been saying, it's, it's only three weeks. It hasn't looked good, but he has a lot of new factors. It's a new offense. It's a new team. It's a new city. You know how, he, you know how, how much he loves just, you know, going out and being cringe all over the place. <laughs> so, you know, maybe he needs some time to adjust for his cringe. He needs some time to adjust to the, you know, elevation in Denver. Do you think he can turn it around? Do you think we can buy low? Do you think do you think he gets back into let's not even say top ten, top twelve? Is there a chance that he can finish the top twelve still this year? I'm gonna give you the long answer because all all offseason, like Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, you know, maybe even Aaron Rodgers, like these are guys we down tiered to because we're like, oh yeah, we can get off of a, a Joe Burrow or we can get off of you know Kyler Murray and get the same production. And it just hasn't happened. Matthew Stafford's been awful. Aaron Rodgers has been okay. Russ has been awful. Tom Brady's been awful. Like we have all these big name quarterbacks. They are going to have a bounce back. I do think that Russell Russell Wilson, excuse me, will bounce back. He is too talented. There's too much, too many weapons around him. And, he hasn't played like an actual snap until the until game one. So you're learning a new offense. You know, you're trying to put piece all of this together. He's going to be fine. He has all the weapons at his disposal. It's just going to take some time. It's going to take some time. He found a connection with, with Sutton. Judy's been hit or miss. He's been injured a little bit, banged up. So I want to see everyone out there on the field together. But uh, I, I do have questions about Nathaniel Hackett. So I, I'm not like sitting here saying that he's going to vault himself into the top six like he, he had been in the past, top six to eight. But he could be a top 12 quarterback. He should be a top 12 quarterback with those weapons. What are your concerns with Denver? I mean, you just touched on him, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, if you're three weeks into the season and your head coach that you just brought in that you committed all this money to, he was your guy through all of this search. Three games in, you find out he can't game manage and needs a guy to game manage for him. Like, it's one of the most infuriating things where I don't even watch football to a point of like being overly, overly invested into every single play, every single you know, snap second that's coming off the clock, win the four minutes, win the last four minutes and the first four minutes of, you know, second half and first half. When the when the two minute drives, I don't really get into all of that. But when you just see some absolutely disgusting clock management, yeah, like we've seen from, the, I mean, how do you how do you have your entire life in football? And I I think it's almost just like a maybe it's a moment too big. It just can't handle everything that he's trying to manage going on at the same time. But it's just simple shit that you can see from your couch, and you're like, what is going on here? It just seems it's it's scary that it's this dysfunctional so far. The good thing yeah. is we've it's week three got some time yeah. to figure it out. You know, it's like a it's like an Aaron Rodgers R E L R E L A X. Like you know, just take a <laughs> take a second here. We can turn this thing around. We've got it. But it's my only concern really coming out of you know Broncos country. Let's ride, and I do think they turn it around with this game though. Raiders have a porous porous defense and Russell Wilson is still a good quarterback regardless of what anybody wants to tell you regardless of what his stats this year tells you he's still a good quarterback I think yeah. I'm, I'm trying to buy up some shares hoping he can turn it around this week yep buy low yep that's that's the bottom line buy low I, I think you, you you have the opportunity because people are panicked um, but yeah it, it is Nathaniel Hackett that worries me more than anything but I do think Russ is fine Offensive line just needs to get used to how Russ moves in the pocket, those types of things. Lots of new chemistry stuff to figure out on the field in games. Uh, and it, it, it'll be fine. It will be fine. But time will tell. Yeah, man.
I think we're I think we're good with that. I think Perfect. it was a good introduction to our uh, you know warp data. I'm sure we'll be referencing this throughout the season, bringing it back up, looking at you know changes that we're seeing throughout the season, seeing if these wide receivers do keep performing at double the clip of the running backs. I mean, it's just wild what we're seeing right now, and hopefully we're on the we're on the cutting edge of something new, something better, and we're able to gain some value for you know listeners and our teams and turn it into some wins for our fantasy teams. 100 we'll start looking at some trades and, and how we can how we can continue to roster construct this way so thank you so much for joining us today uh we will see you next week here in the fantasy draft room